Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. And welcome, everybody, to the GC On Demand podcast. Uh, my name is Eric Wright. I'm your uh, your colorful host here for the GC On Demand. Uh, you can find me I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm at Disco Posse. And, of course, you can find me in the Green Circle community. I'm Disco Posse in there as well. I've always enjoyed when I get a chance to, to bring great, you know, community contributors and folks who, you know, I've managed to work with throughout the years in, in different ways. Uh, and I'm lucky enough to have one of those guests with me today, not only uh, from, you know, friends around the community, but around the world, literally on the other side of the earth with me right now. I, I'd like to welcome Craig Waters to the podcast. Craig, if you want to introduce yourself and let everyone know uh, how they can get a hold of you online. Awesome, thanks, Eric, and uh, great to be on the uh, the GC on Demand podcast. Yeah, um, I think you've had some awesome um, people on in the past, so I'm, I'm you know I feel quite um, fortunate that I've had the opportunity to chat with you today. So, as you say, my name is Craig Waters. Uh, you can get me on the Twitters on the, at cswaters1. Um, I'm currently working as a uh, architect for uh, Pure Storage, and I'm based in the Down Under in Australia, in in, in Melbourne. Yeah, so it's great to be on. Thank you. Yeah, the it's it's really funny because we think about you know these uh, the way that everybody's sort of come together as a community and and you know we have the only time that it ever becomes a, a barrier is when we try and do things like this where we schedule something to record in time zones that that are so disparate and it's tough to to get folks together but. You know, it's funny that we've we've been able to you know evolve. I think together and and all of us as a as a community, we've watched this evolution. And for us as technologists, as technology has has evolved along the way, and it it kind of hits me. Like the first thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, we've talked a lot about different areas in in the stack throughout the years and different types of technologies, and and you kind of cover the gamut. And maybe Craig, you want to talk about your full stack journey you know what is the stuff that you're working on now and and how did it come to be that you've sort of touched different areas of the the overall IT stack yeah wow where, where do I begin Eric yeah such a um, such a lot a, a wide diverse set of uh, uh, skill sets there I guess but um I guess really like you know um my history has been very much around being born out of the, you know, the help desk and support side. So I've kind of run the whole end to end as far as the uh, the roles. You know, I started out in doing help desk work. I went into second line support, third line support, um, and then you know um, had a big transition going into the architecture side. And instead of being, I mean, I mean I'm still, ha I'm always going to be hands on. There's no, no two ways about it. But but uh, being much more around in the in the understanding of the requirements and the design side of things, and, that, and I think that's kind of been, you know, the benefit that I've been able to bring th throughout those things is that you know not being afraid to talk to business and not being afraid to understand what problems the business are trying to solve and what problems the you know particular business units are trying to solve with the with the kinds of applications that they're trying to integrate, um, and I think that's kind of been a big part of uh, of what I've done. But yeah, I mean. 
you know, I mean, right now, you know, I'm working for a, um, a storage-focused organization, but, um, you know, I've done a lot of work with, um, you know, hypervisors, with networking in the past as well. And so I think having that ability to be able to connect the dots and understand the components that make up a solution has been, you know, ultimately really, um, you know, a, a real big influence on, on, on the success that I've had and, and, you know, where I've ended up today kind of thing. So... Yeah, I think you've you've actually really pinched down something that I, I, I want to bring out, and I remind people always, the ability to sit outside and look in is a, a huge success factor for growth as an architect. And as a as you know, vendors do this all the time, where if they think inside out, they they end up in an echo chamber. And what's interesting is that you do that. You've you've brought that. I've consumed technology, and then yes, you design technology for other folks you've got that outside in view already like how how did you find well, that. that as like your big sort of yeah i think it's a huge help in in my mind you know how how do you yeah. find that that helps you craig well i think that ultimately kind of drove me towards you know going down the vendor road but um you know that i think as well the big thing is is that in it in the early days in the uk there was a lot of contracting opportunities and i probably spent nearly 10 years doing contract work so it meant that you know, while while you were doing a similar kind of role, you had all these breadth of understandings of how all these different organisations are ultimately solving the, the exact same problems or the very similar problems. They're, it's just the cultural differences and the organisational differences of how they, you know, like what the, what's the why are we implementing IT? Why are we utilising IT? What 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 benefit to the business are we trying to bring from that you know, that use of IT? So I think from there, it's like really been able to. Um, help me to kind of um, look at that problem from the outside in like you were talking about. Yeah, and I love the, everybody thinks that they're a special snowflake and until you're a consultant and you realize you've, you're selling a lot of the same snowflake. <laughs> you know, you really know that field. And then the idea then is, is to, you know, to, to transition out of this engineering more to an architect. Well, you, you have to be able to do that in multiple different disciplines, but you don't ever need to kind of be you know, to de to dive into that subject matter at the extreme that you may have done with the first one, and I think that that's kind of you know what what's really guided me a lot about being this generalist. And you know, everyone thinks oh, a generalist that means it's a really high you know you've touched your water in these little these little areas in in technology. But but the reality is is that once you've done once you've done like a deep dive on a specific subject matter, you, it gives you the skill set to be able to do a similar thing on these other subject matters. So it, it then creates this situation where what you can do is you can kind of dive into, you, know, you can be this generalist, but you can then, you know, you've got the wealth of understanding to understand where the connection points are with the different technologies, and then you're able to deep dive as and when required to actually fulfill that skill set to be able to, like, you know, solve that particular problem or provide that particular design to a customer or whatever. So, so you know, to me that was kind of a big foundational understanding of, like, once I got that concept, it kind of helped me loads in then understanding you know, um, how organizations work and, and what the drivers are. And, and, and that, I guess that's really, you know, the transition from being an engineer to an architect. And I've done, you know, I've done some kind of podcasts on this previously and stuff. But, you know, essentially it's that idea that um, you, you're not, you know, you're not involved in the BAU day to day, or you can be in some, in, in some aspects. But really it's about understanding of why are we doing these things? What purpose do these things provide ultimately to the business? Why, you know, what, why is that machine going on in the background? What, what services is it providing back to the business? And once you, once you kind of delve into those things and start getting involved in the, the project aspects of why a company's, you know, implementing a particular application and what the, 
what the business drivers are for that particular application. It, you know, it, it really does then set you up to that understanding of like, ah, oh, you know, th this is how the you know an organization's ecosystem works from a technology perspective, and these are the reasons why they you know implementing that particular application or that particular infrastructure. And I, I think you got that kind of view all of a sudden, you know you know, the planets align and everything locks into place and you kind of understand what, you know, what the purpose and the outcome of that, that change is ultimately, yeah? Yeah, it's the it's the, the mapping of the business needs onto the technology. And, it, and it's funny, that's I think that's the point where you start to reverse your thinking and that accelerates your growth into understanding what true, like, architecture is because you're no longer architecting technology you're architecting business solutions with technology and like it's absolutely critical that you have that technical capability as well and there's going to be deep needs you know like down to you know, very specific requirements inside a particular technology but ultimately again as it as it rises up to the top it, it always has to service a business need and I remember sitting in in meeting rooms, you know, years ago with you know in business continuity meetings and stuff, and they'd talk about, well, you know, this service is tier three, and you'd say like, well, no, 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 it's not tier three because you you need this to support something else, and then it suddenly sort of came out through going all through this business impact analysis that I was like, oh wow, mm -hmm. it really, as much as it matters in your day to day it really doesn't matter to the business because if that system goes away for three days in the event of a large scale failure, it's not the one that's going to get the most attention. And so that changes. The well, it's almost, it's almost like, um, sorry, it's, it's almost like the, the, um, you know, the, the amount of effort and the amount of personal time that people have put into that, that, that particular solution kind of then dictates what the value of it is to the organization and I think that you know that's the perception that gets missed sometimes is that just because someone's got a a big investment in that you know in, in that system being created or that system being developed that it, that it's really important you know like I've done a few business impact analysis for a few companies and and that and that, that kind of always shines out is is it well you know is, is your service a gold silver or bronze level well everyone's gold everything's gold yeah because everything's important <laughs> and it's just about you know, breaking that down and understanding, well, if these circumstances, you know, we do a lot of role-playing and stuff like that, which kind of kind of sounds cheesy a bit, but but it would get people to understand then, well, if this system wasn't available, what would it mean to the business? What's the, you know, what's the dollar impact to the business? But more importantly, you know, you know, what what contingency can you have in place to to reduce the, you know, the impact of that of that risk, you know, if it, if it did happen? And, and I think that's kind of the other key as well with the old BIA as well is, is that the, you know, like you know, we you know the risk could be huge. You know, the risk could be a you know a, um, an earthquake that you know you know that destroys the site and stuff like that. But it, but it's also about balancing that out against the likelihood. Right. And, and and everyone kind of jumps down the whole you know the whole the whole risk profile and and, and of a of a particular situation. But the reality is is that you know well you know it probably isn't really ever going to happen. So we we need some kind of control over it. But we don't need to be kind of breaking the bank to try and solve that particular problem. Yeah, that's and it's an interesting balance, and and I love that we you know evolving to find it, and I think you really you kind of nailed that that growth as as you've seen it, and so it's neat, you know, Craig, you you kind of came from customer side, you've you worked with systems integrators with you know lots of stuff on the outside, and now you know you're working on the other side of the the desk, so to speak, 
what was the transition like to make a move into a world of working for vendors and 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 how's that journey been for you well yeah i mean my motivation really originally was that i, I kind of saw and i kind of saw the situation where a lot of the roles that that, that um, were in you know that that were available right at that time were really fo focused around being that um, conduit between you know what an organization was trying to achieve and then what service providers or what um, what you know what what other organizations were going to fulfill that capability and so all of a sudden you know there, there was this there was this perception that the the roles that I was doing at that time would eventually just mean that you were kind of a broker or a middleman between these two scenarios so like an organization wants something and an org and another organization is going to have an SLA around how they deliver that something and, and to me, you know, I, I just saw this, the writing on the wall is to say, well, you know, that, that means, you know, probably being a generalist even more, but to the point where you're ne not necessarily having to understand the integration and the complexity of those different systems within particular missions. And so I kind of, I, I kind of had this epiphany at that point in time saying, you know, and this is when, you know, th you know, technologies like cloud was coming on and, th and those sort of things. And like, I just kind of had this epiphany to say, well, you know, if, if I'm going to continue to be, um, you know, to be able to work on complex systems and to be able to um, look at that integration point, but still advise, you know, organisations on, on how they actually achieve a, you know, business outcome using technology, then I'm probably going to be in the best place to to be in a technology-focused company as opposed to what I've done historically, where it's, you know, the the core business of those organisations wasn't necessarily technology, but technology was a a tool for them to, you know to make more money and be more successful in those particular um, uh, you know, areas of, of business. And so that was kind of when I explored some options. And I was looking at things like you know, working for service providers or working for um, vendors. And I, and I think that was kind of where the realization was, well, you know, the, I guess the crux of being working for a vendor is, is, is and it depends on the area and field that you're working with a vendor, but typically um, where I am, because we're a bit more of a, you know, a remote, area I mean you know it's not that remote but it is compared to not being you know in, in the center of America or Canada or somewhere like that um, that really it's going to be some kind of a sales function and so um, you know that, that was kind of where you know I went towards you know I like the idea of working for a high-tech company I like the idea of um, you know as being in the cutting edge of, of where you know changing the industry and you know disrupting the industry I guess I mean but both the vendors I've worked for have been startups at some point so you know I think you know, there's an excitement around that as well, and 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 you know, I've really, you know, I've really reveled in that fact that you know, you, you're at the bleeding edge. Well, you're at the cutting edge. You you you're invo you're changing an industry, you're influencing an industry, and then at the same time, um, instead of you know, instead of working for a, a handful of customers, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I've got a global reach in, in, in what I do, and so you know, I'm working with customers in you know, in in Japan or in Korea or in Singapore or something like that, and so. You know, all of a sudden, you, you you get exposed to all these environments that um, you know I never would have had working you know for a customer or, or even an integrator probably in the um, in the Australian region. So so that's kind of really you know in one, in one sense it's it, you know it's changed my perception in a lot of things. And we kind of talked about it a bit before you know before we we started recording, but just around you know how how you know how events work and how you know how um, that you know, the sausage factory works and how sales happens, but but it's not been 
you know, it's been an important lesson. Don't, don't get me wrong; it's, it's it's been an important lesson in understanding the function and how you know the sales cycle works and those sort of things. And I'm I'm a better person for that. But um, you know, I think you know, ultimately it's just been about you know um, being able to work on architecture, but been working on these on these scales and these environments that I would just never have access to if I was working in you know in Australia. And I think it goes to to the value that you bring and that that role is. You know, in coming to uh, working for a technology vendor, right, being able to take the that bridging the gap capability that you you had on the other side, uh, and I think as technologists, that's why it's important. I kind of always hammer home the idea of you know thinking to what's next for folks and and try to elevate themselves in in every way. And and your journey is is an important one that a lot of folks have walked, you know, and and I think that's if we look to anything we need to do as we look towards next generation IT, the only way you can bridge a gap is if you walk across the chasm first, right? And and you you've done that. Mm -hmm. So, So what is what does Craig do, you know, when he decides uh, uh, what to look forward to? You know, like if you think, all right, there's there's going to be new stuff on the horizon, you know, and I, I would guess that you, you lean forward instead of waiting for someone to give you a nudge. Yeah, I've, you know, Eric, I've always, um, I've always kind of been a change agent and, and this kind of, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit more in a bit, but like, um, like quintessentially it's kind of, it, it's created this, this situation where, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm forceful as such, but but I, I've always seen an opportunity, and I've always been 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 quite um, excited by that, and, and tried to influence other people in that excitement. And, and I think you know that it kind of it kind of gives you a realization about the industry and about how you know how we work. Like before, where it was down my resume and my certifications and, and what experience I had and those sort of things. I think as you as you progress your career in IT, it, it kind of evolves a bit to where it's it's actually about your interest and your heart and, and what what excites you and what and what you know what what kind of drives you in, to get up in the morning those, those sort of things. Like I think ultimately, you know, I've always worked in IT. I've never never worked in another career. I've, I've worked in lots of other organisations where their core business isn't IT, but 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 in seeing that, I think. Um, you know, it, it's important to do something that you enjoy, and it's important to do something that that you like to do, and, and that that's kind of the career advice now. You know, I give to um, you know folk who are starting on this on this journey. You know, this this journey of a career and stuff is that you know there's two kind of things. What what is you know enjoy what you do, be happy in what you do, because then it doesn't you know you know like things will just evolve and things will just happen because you bring in that passion, you bring in that interest to to the opportunity, and I, and I think that. That's kind of a core thing, because because I'd rather be happy than not happy, wouldn't you? Wouldn't anybody? You, exactly. you know, at the end of the day. And, and and I think the other piece then as well is is that um is try and try and understand about the concept of brand and the concept of your personal brand and building your personal um you know what what your perception is in the market. You know, again, this is kind of a you know a sales and marketing kind of piece a bit more as well, but like. I think it's really important to understand how marketing works to a point. You don't need to be a, a big expert, but just understand how you can establish yourself and how you can build your brand. Because you know that world, the digital world that we live in today. You know, the, I've got to mention the, the digital term, yeah. But but you know, with social media and all those sort of things, is that you know that that can open doors for you just by doing some of that right. And it's not a twenty-four-seven. You know, it, it doesn't take 
you know, 40 hours a week for you to, to, to do that. It's actually something you can knock away on, knock on away at the, in the background over a long period of time. And I think, you know, you're a good example of it. I, I hope I'm an all right example of it. But, um, you know, that putting that effort in and, and, and building that personal brand can can change, you know, it can give you these opportunities to transition out of where you've been, you know, do what you, the work you've been doing previously, you know, it helped me transition from being an engineer to an architect, it helped me transition from, you know, work, working in the customer space and vendor spaces into, you know, sorry, in, in the customer and integrator spaces into working into the in the vendor space and, and all of a sudden, like, you know, you kind of have these opportunities that come come to you that, that you'd never thought, you know, would be possible. So, I, I guess they're my two big things, you know, is, is um, it, it it kind of really um, I think, you know it impacts you on a day to day basis and I think you know if you can't you know it, like I'll just go back to the beginning and say if you can't enjoy what you do then you know find something else because you know it's just going to affect you for the rest of your life you know yeah the core is is there like it has to be something that you're passionate about and there's some stuff that we we have to work through in as a part of getting there and I it's that. Uh, of the phrasing of I don't even know who could attribute the the origin of it, but they said like if if you don't like something, then change it, and then if you can't change it, then change the way you think about it. So there's going to be some points where we're, there's a something that just cannot be changed in our situation, whether it's through work or home or, or wherever, and then we have to then say, well, look, if I can't change it, is it going to affect me, take me down, or do I change the way I think about it and and kind of work past it? And I think that's that comes true in in work as well. But at its core, like you said, if if you don't if you don't have the passion to do it, and you're just ticking off the days on the calendar like you're you're counting down your sentence until your your life sentence is over, like that's that, that's a, a terrifying feeling, and that can really break you down. And there's so many opportunities. And as well for folks that aren't necessarily super, you know, outward focused, they don't necessarily want to create, you know, audio, video content. They don't want to get out and speak at events necessarily. There's tons of other ways to be able to spread your knowledge through just writing, through, you know, forums, through helping out through other community events that we don't have to be an extrovert in order to be you know, grow a big personal brand. There's there's tons of ways to do it that don't require getting in front of a podium and, and, and speaking into a microphone. So that's another thing I always try and temper because a lot of people are like, well, you know, I, I'd love to grow my personal brand, but I don't want to speak. They're like, okay, <laughs> then then maybe there's other ways. The terms, yeah, I think the term that you're saying though, grow, is an important aspect of that is is that don't don't feel that you have to just take the jump first thing you know like oh you know I'm here I, you know I'm working as a team in a in a as, an, as a support engineer in, a, in an environment and I, and tomorrow I will be a public speaker that uh, it doesn't it doesn't have to be like that just grow into it I mean like you know um, I always say you know one of the one of the best things I've done I mean you know it, it's been a, a labor of love I, I'll agree but you know one of the best things I've done was um, you know get involved in the VMware uh, community now. Now I'm not necessarily saying it from a um, like VMware user group as being, you know, the entity that it represents and stuff. I'm more talking about putting yourself in a position where, you know, essentially the term is a, a leadership role. But but it's not, you know, you know, everyone goes, oh, leadership. Oh, does that mean I need to, you know, have this this branding on LinkedIn or something like that? You know, I am a leader in the, you know, that that kind of stuff. It, yeah. It's more around being responsible and, and and the book stopping with you and and saying, well, you know, I want this and, and I. I've had a lot of conversations with people who are, 
you know, business owners or you know who've done who've gone down that kind of road. It's a it's a very similar um, analogy in in the fact that being responsible for something means that you want it to succeed, and it means that you're prepared to put time and effort in, you know, to make it successful. And and so, I think that's kind of the um, you know the, the value of, of, of volunteer, and especially doing it voluntary as well. So you know you're not actually getting paid to do it necessarily, but the point is is that um, it builds you know it, it socially builds a, um, engagement with your inner local community. But then it, you know that can evolve and actually have implications on a global scale. So you know I I wouldn't say necessarily it has to be a technology user group, but but I'd recommend to anyone that they put some time into volunteer something of their personal time around something where they get to grow something and build something and share knowledge and information with with, with a local community because in, in doing that you know like it um, it kind of gives you this situation where all of a sudden you have these skill sets all of a sudden these soft skills get developed you know you you know I, I think the, the statistic is Eric I think it's like the second most scariest thing for any human is, is, is doing a public speaking thing and, and like I always remember when I first got on, you know, I first got um, elected as being the, the leader for, for the VMUG, I probably spent like six to nine months trying to push other people to go and do the, the public speaking bit, at the, you know, the introduction bit at the beginning of the VMUG because yeah. I was petrified of it. But, but it was me that I was scared of, not, not doing the thing. It was my understanding and my comprehension of it. And over a period of time, you know, with that realization, I changed my behavior. I evolved. I, I grew. Yeah, to to this point where where now that's my day job. You know, I do you know a lot of public speaking at this point in time, um, and I think you know part of it's about repetition. Part of it's about saying, well, you know, let me get the first one done because it's not going to be my best one. But that doesn't matter because once I keep doing this, and then you know, it's like when you when you get get a skill, you know. It's like you know you you have a go at something and you know you stumble through it and and you kind of determine that you've learnt something from it. But then what you do is you go and try and philosophize it and understand it and, and you know like learn a taxonomy or something. Learn why is it work that this way? You know that asking the question why. You know I, I wanted to say it earlier on when we were talking about some of the other stuff, but always be asking why. Why why is this like this? Why is this? Because asking the question why is a really powerful thing, and it and it can change your perception of, of something. So when you know, you might not agree with something initially. Asking that question, why, can change that perception to where, you know, you do actually agree with it. It's just a different perspective. So, so, so I think you know, in, when when you apply those kind of rules, all of a sudden you grow, and then all of a sudden something that you think you can't do, you think you won't do, you think you won't try, becomes a, oh, I can do this. I've got this skill. I can do this now. So, so you know, it, it's not a, a leap of faith. It's not something that occurs overnight. It, it's it's a growing thing. But that's you know, as humans, that's what we do is we, we we take experiences and we learn from them. And and it doesn't have to even be our own experiences. We can learn from observing. You know that you know, that's what children do. You know, like children learn because they observe what their parents do. And I think it's a very similar thing. You know, all the time I do this is is. I ask people about this reality check. You know, is what I'm doing what what I should be doing, or is what I'm doing the right way to do something? And and I don't think we should be afraid of questioning those things, because because we can learn from that interaction. And and you know, my last piece is you know that that's kind of my, why I'm a firm belief of these user groups and of these ecosystems. You know, meeting people like you, Eric, is, is the fact that it, you know we, we've got something, we've got a level set, we've all got a. a, a a passion and an interest in, in, in the technology and in the industry and the landscape and what's going on. 
by bridging that, you know, we're not, you know, we're not, we're much easier at, um, at, at building relationships and, and building friendships. And, and then all of a sudden, I've got these peers that I can say, well, okay, this is going on for me in Australia. I'm going to go and ask um, Eric up in uh, Canada and see see if he's having that same problem and or how he solved that situation based upon the ecosystem that he's got around him. And and yeah, just you know, it kind of changes you know how you perceive things and and uh, and it has a big influence on on how you grow and 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 where it takes you. You know, so. Yeah, it's it's an it's a humbling part of of the process because we, when you look back, you know, you it becomes easier to forget the 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 tough times you went through when you first have that experience of like giving a president my first time I volunteered to do a VMUG presentation. I was a VMUG member, and I gave probably what should have been, you know, a 75 minute presentation in 45 minutes, right? It was, it was 45 slides. It was, it, and it was a terrifying experience. I was motoring through it at a sweating pace just to try and get through the slides. And I hadn't learned how to pace it. I hadn't learned how to do a lot of the things, but in doing it, I, it scared the heck out of me. And then I completed it. And then people stopped after and like, Hey, that was really, I, I learned something from there and they would ask questions and I sort of honed the presentation and I gave it back at my office. And that was one of the biggest benefits I learned from my personal career growth as well is that what I had learned by doing in this outward community, I brought it back inside. And then that helped me to grow my team, to grow my own comfort and, and ultimately yeah. just... <laughs> the skill set it you know gets better with time like you said it's it, it's no the the classic thing of it takes about 10 years to become an overnight success i think that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah lots of hard work in the background yeah no definitely yeah yeah now you know we've talked about much you know a lot of the stuff we've had in the past and and there's some other stuff we, you know we wanted to, you wanted to talk about you know in sort of the the cloud stuff you know, it's it's funny we're as we're just trying to figure out how to really do traditional virtualization well, yeah, still, the yeah, you know we've got all this sort of really forward-leaning stuff, and 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 I know you've done a lot of work in in looking ahead. It's like cloud and and public cloud and hybrid cloud and all these things, and, and so I'd love to hear you know what are some of your thoughts on it, and you know let's let's talk about the the next sort of stage in the journey for for all of us you know and what are your thoughts on on hybrid cloud and and, and how it's going to affect the technology field and and technologists yeah look um it, it's an interesting time it is eric I, I can say that for sure and I, and I think i think i think again you know you you kind of hit on it with your you know the the 10 year you know, overnight, the overnight success is ten years, and I think I think that's the problem that we have right now is is that there's a lot of discussion around these technologies, and you know, it kind of reminds me a bit of, of you know the introduction of OpenStack and how that's evolved as well, and you know, I know you're a big um, you know proponent of of that you know technology as well. So um, I, I think at the moment, you know, we're still in a very learning phase, and I think you know. There's adoption, you know. Obviously, you know, being in the um, Australia, New, Ze New Zealand region of the world, you know, there's we're, we're probably quite advanced in that adoption from a, you know, from a public uh, cloud perspective, and also from a containerization perspective as well. Um, but but I think I think that the challenge we've got right now is is that it's there's still an understanding that needs to be made. I think cloud, 
Oh, I hate the term. Sorry, but um, it's such a generalist term that that means so many different things, and I think we're coming to grips with that more now. It, it has a lot more substance, a lot more meaning than it did, you know, even just a couple of years ago. But but I think I think to me, you know, like um, I was listening to the uh, Tech Field Day guys doing their roundtables uh, yesterday on the Cloud Field Day. Um, uh, streaming that uh, uh, Steve Foskett was doing, and, and you know, someone came up with this um, this term. I think it was Justin Warren. Actually, I think it was was that you know the journey to cloud isn't about a technology change; it's about a business process change. Yeah. And, and to me, kind of my eyes lit up when I when I heard this because I'm you know I, it was like uh, the, the dots connected, and I was kind of like, yes, that's the problem. And and, and the reason I say this is because you know I've been I've been that change agent in organisations, and I've been there talking to business about how technology can you know, really transform an organization and how adoption of things like, you know, you know, I've been a big proponent of like automation really early on, but but the challenge I've had is is that trying to drive these changes in organizations has been has been very difficult. And and I think part of the problem is is that because the perception of IT's been very different within different organizations and, and, and the kind of change that these technology changes present themselves they're not necessarily things that should be driven out of IT, and, and I think that's kind of been, you know, the, the crux of the challenge. And, and so, and so, what's happened now is, you know, you've got your AWSs and your Azures now, and your public cloud providers that can all of a sudden, you know, they can, you know, they can utilize these cloud-like capabilities like automation and orchestration and all these sort of things. And, and all of a sudden, they're, they're presenting these end consumers with this: oh, give us a credit card number, and you could spin up these workloads and do all these things that. You know, your internal IT will take weeks, maybe even months to go and deliver. And, and so, so the business sees the value of that, obviously, and, and starts wanting to consume that. And, and I think you know, the, the paradox we're in right now is, is that you know, it's really about then you know, for, you know, for a business to change their process is the answer that they have to go into a cloud. Do they actually have to have some kind of a cloud experience to, to understand what the changes are? And, and, and I think there's two there's two kind of offshoots to that. First of all, this is like you see you know, you're reading a lot of news at the moment where there's organisations that have pulled out of public cloud. And and the, the the reality is is that while they've pulled out of public cloud, what they've probably done is they've probably learned a lot of changes in how their business you know processes you know workflows and those sort of things in, in part of the journey to go into the cloud. And then they're taking that learning and they're reapplying it internally. And you know that might be an on-premises. Solution that's you know like a private cloud or all those sort of things. It might be a change of how they're actually providing those services internally. It may be that they've still got some services that that are better working, you know, in in a cloud space. You know, like a, maybe a, you know an Office 365 or those sort of things. You know, so so you know that that's kind of one piece of it. But I, but I think the other as well is is that um, you know maybe a lot of organisations still haven't made that connection yet, and so they've gone, you know, they've if they've taken the Processes that they have today, and then just kind of want, you know, kind of put it straight into a, a cloud offering, and then they're, you know, they're in this, you know, they're in this process right now where they're realizing, ah, oh, no, like, um, you know, what the the rubbish that we had before, we've still got it. It's just <laughs> been moved right. somewhere else, and we've probably got less control over it now, and we're probably not controlled in the financial aspects of it. So, so yeah, look, but, you know, they're, they're my thoughts, and 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 I think you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of scope there, but. It, to me, it's just you know, technology change comes about, and and it's really fascinating to see how it evolves and how it's adapted. But 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 ultimately, it's just about kind of understanding 
the core value of a, of a bit of technology and then how that kind of integrates into into where you are today in an organization and then the you know the classic you know the long tail of the dinosaurs how, how do I move into that because it's not it's not something you know it's like it's like um, you know, public speaking, it's not something you learn overnight. It, it, it's something you have to develop and grow into over a period of time. So so that, that's kind of, there's a bunch of thoughts there. Pick away, Eric, and I'll be interested to hear your feedback, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's a couple of points that I always love to, to, to you know, seed off of there is this idea that companies will go to the public cloud and then they pull out, you know, for whatever number of reasons, because it financially didn't work out. They didn't see the benefit. They didn't see the operational win of doing it. And I, I liken it to somebody going out and, and buying a bicycle, you know, buying a, an $8,000 bicycle, thinking that they are suddenly going to be able to ride the Tour de France. They cannot. <laughs> and then you don't go back and then burn the bike shop down. Just throw money at it. You know, so it's it's no different with anything that we would choose to to get into. There are going to be folks that will you know begin small and they'll go with a cheaper option. I'm a I'm an avid cyclist. I put literally thousands of kilometers on a bicycle a year. My bicycle is a, it's expensive and by many people's standard, but it's cheap by anybody that I ride with. And the reason why I chose that sort of first stage journey was. I wanted to know that I could do it and get value from it before I would spend the money. And that's what I've, that's how I treat the cloud. You know, I've, I will, I dabble to the point where I know how I can take advantage of it and actually find a win, you know, and if you cannot find that operational win, as you said, you're just moving the rubbish from one pile to the other, except that new pile costs $263 a month versus it was in a sunk cost physical infrastructure before. So that's that's always the, the one I think people, that sticker shock pushes a lot of people back. And ultimately it is, you know, the cloud is a methodology. It's not a technology. There are technologies that service that methodology and that's all it is. It's, you know, cloud DevOps, whatever the, 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 the hashtag and tagline of the day is, if we aren't prepared to consume technology in a different way, then you're not going to succeed by buying that technology. No more than, than spending $8,000 on a bicycle will make you an avid cyclist. You have to have the mindset that you want to become a cyclist in order to do it. And, and that's how businesses need to look at it. And like you said, there's, there's a lot of different stages within the organization. There's the CIO type of you know, role where they're going to say, all right, you know, I've, I know what my operational costs are. I know what my sunk costs are. I know what, where I'm slow, you know, and accelerating the velocity of IT is done in a lot of ways. I love cloud. I love private cloud. I'm a huge proponent for private cloud architectures because I see it as a, as a win because it is a kind of gentle on-ramp where you, you can deal with stuff that's already sunk cost, but you're not necessarily getting, you know, you don't have, you can slowly evolve and you can make it part of your organization. And again, it's, I mean, you can, you've probably seen this a dozen times out there, Craig, right? Where someone says, well, you're either, you're either going to the cloud or, and you're, you're raising your, down your data center or you're losing. Like it's, and I always love it's the person that says that is always somebody that happens to work for a public cloud, right? Like they're like, if, if you aren't doing this, you're doing it wrong. But the truth is, yeah. you know, we're, we have multiple stages of IT that are active at all time. And 
you know, Gartner chooses to call it bimodal. I call it octomodal. And, and it's everywhere from like, mm. you've got pens and paper. You're like, well, that's, there's mode one. Yeah, mode two. Yeah, we, we used to give out. Um, sorry, we used to give out in a company I worked for. They used to give out. The IT department would give out pens, and it would be printed on their emergency printer. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's we we. There are so many so many levels of evolution within the data center mm-hmm. and in the overall IT portfolio. You know, but at the same time, if you continue to ignore what's pending. It's not going to make it not occur. You know, it's I I think of like that vision of Sigourney Weaver with the alien like leaning towards her face, you know, millimeters away from her nose, you know, dripping off like that's the public cloud is what it's doing to your workforce. And a lot of times and what's selling to your CIO. So if you as a technologist aren't at least ready to understand why and you've you've nailed it, always ask why. And on the the other side of that, always ask why not. You know, understanding the why of the solution, it's also important to understand why it won't work. And that's I think it's our responsibility, personal responsibility for ourselves, and then as technologists to to be aware of what's there, why it should work, why it won't work, and be prepared to to fail. You know, be prepared to have it tip over a little bit. We did it with virtualization. I mean, Craig, do you remember when virtualization started? You were probably seen as like, oh, you're you're that crazy IT guy who keeps telling us, you know, to to use this VMware stuff. Like, no, 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 we like our physical servers, right? <laughs> yeah, but when I but when I showed them they could have a um they could achieve disaster recovery in less than two hours, the the CIO of, the, of a particular organization just wanted to sign on the dotted line immediately, and and that and that's the you know that that's the power of the ch- of that change is is to you know, to be able to take the company or this particular company through that process of understanding the value of it, as soon as they saw that, they were all in. You know, and it, and it became, you know, instead of it being a technology decision, and you know, all the IT guys arguing about, oh, this workload will never virtualize, or that workload will never work, it became a business decision to say, you know, instead of us taking seven days to do a disaster recovery plan, we can do it in two hours. Where do I sign? Make everything virtualized. Where do I sign? You know, yeah. big transform. Transformative technology at the time, yeah. Yeah, and that's it. You know, we we're we're going through it again now with with you know, and we'll go through it again in five to ten years. You mm. know, in ten years, no one will will think twice about so much of what we're arguing over now. You know, in the industry. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's well, I guess you'll have two things at that point. When you one one is is that there'll be a lot more uh, um, applications that have been developed. You know, with with cloud in mind from the, from the get go. There'll be a lot more organisations where they're further mature with the type of applications that they're running. You know, whether that application, you know, should be on premises, whether it should be in, you know, whether it's a software as a service offering, whether it should be on a platform as a service, those sort of things. And then, you know, you're also going to have that, um, you know, the situation where, you know, there'll be that, there'll be a seamless ability to be able to move workloads between those services and say, well, okay, this workload, I need it to be on premises now. But um, you know, in, in three months' time, I'm going to have to upramp to a million users, and so we need to, you know, migrate and you know, we need to have that mobility, that application, to put it into the right location so that we can scale it as required. And I think, you know, that those things are beginning to happen now. There's a lot, there's a lot of organisations investing in, you know, those those um, you know those cloud mobility platforms and the ability to be able to 
you know, control where workloads function, you know, from a different, you know, within different clouds and within different public clouds. And, and I think, you know, once that kind of becomes much more mainstream, I think that's when you'll get that, you know, that much more integrated solution whereby it doesn't, you know, I don't, I'm not actually that bothered where the workload's running. There might be some applications that I do need to have on-premises. There might be some applications that I prefer to have in a public cloud. I'm not that concerned about, I've just got my policy there. I've got my process there. I've got my, you know, my, I, I've, I've got my functions in place where, you know, the security is controlled, that, that those kind of pieces are controlled. And I, I don't really care that much. As long as that policy has been adhered to, then, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm getting the best value for money, but I'm, but I'm paying for the service that, that I need as opposed to that's, you know, potentially may have been sold or something like that. And, you know, I, I think that's coming. I, you can see the pieces now beginning to evolve. It's just really around um, organizations changing that perception and, and, and really, you know, we, we kind of come full circle a bit here, but really it's back to that evolution of internal IT and, you know, like, like you're saying, you know, understanding where the value is in, in these new technologies as opposed to, you know, sticking your head in the sand and saying, well, you know, um, we still run mainframes and, and, and <laughs> these kind of technologies are still here, so I'm, I'm, my job's fine and I'm not concerned about it. You know, it, I think that that's, you know, it's that shift there around, you know, being acceptance of change. But, you know, if you're in IT and you don't like change, then you're in the wrong career. I mean, that's just the reality <laughs> these days, you know. It's going to be a rough journey for you if you're if you're, uh, if you're you're not a, <laughs> at least willing to accept change. You don't have to be, like, hugely forward-leaning, but by golly, if you, if you, if you don't like things shifting around you. And admittedly, in any role, technology, business, retail, whatever it is, there's always an opportunity for folks to, you know, to be fairly static in what they do. And there's nothing wrong with how much of that needs to have stability in roles and whatever. And there are stable functions and, and static functions that continue. However, it, the I believe the advantage will always go to anybody personally if they're able to be, to see that that shift and be a part of it and and help to be a change agent like you said craig it's we mm. we can do that in even in the smallest ways uh and if they if you don't resist that's still being a change agent in my mind accepting it but if you choose to be uh you know a negative change agent where somebody who purposefully tries to take that sort of luddite approach and and you know break down the process you know so that it cannot be automated cannot be brought forward then that's that's where people are in particular danger in in their careers and, and so it's that's always one that I warn folks about it's like even if you don't like it you know it's going to happen whether we want it to or not and so let's let's try and embrace what we can and and look to the look to your peer community look to your mentors look to your your colleagues around every you know we can sort of you know, smile through adversity and, and get through some some tough changes together. And that's it. Look to the community. Look to folks like like yourself, Craig, and, and other folks in the VMUG, you know, at meetups, at OpenStack summits, all these different things. There's, we're all there, you know, at different stages in the evolution of the journey and evolutions of our careers. And it's it's exciting to be a part of it. So with that... It, it's, like, it's like this. It's, I just said this one thing. Sorry. It's, it's like this. It's like, it's your life, yeah? Do, do you want to be the driver of your life or do you want to be the passenger? 
passenger of your life. And, and I think it's really down to, you know, individual, individually, you just need to ask yourself that question. Like, you know, your career is one aspect of your life. It's not, it's not the only aspect. But, but, but in that context, you know, like, it's down, it's down to really asking that question. Do, do I want to control where it's going? Do I want to influence, you know, where I end up? Or am I just on for a ride? And, and, and I think that's a real determinator for, for any individual to determine, well, you know, do I need to take control of this? Do, do I need to steer it somewhere? Do I need to ask the question of why? Do, do I need to look at alternatives? Do I, do I need to talk to my peers? Do I need to, you know, get involved in the user, my user group and, and, and talk to like-minded people and see what challenges they're facing? Do, do I need to question what, where I am right now? And I think we should always be doing that. Maybe not extremely every five minutes, but like, you know, at least on a regular regular occurrence, we should we should be thinking about where am I now? Where, where do I need to go? Is there something I need to change? You know, it's it's kept me pretty good for the last um, you know, ten fifteen years. So um, I'd recommend that. I would. Yeah, absolutely. And Craig, as somebody who's been on the outside, and I, I'm lucky to call you a, a friend and a and a colleague. Is you know, on personally and professionally, I've enjoyed working with you and and watching your journey, and you've helped me a lot. Uh, both, you know, personally and professionally, it's, it's, it's been great. So with that, I want to say, you know, thank you very much for, for chatting today. This is another, another must listen in my books. Uh, and, uh, how do folks get a hold of you, Craig, uh, to sort of catch up in the ethereal world of, of the internet? Well, I'm on the Twitters, mate. I love the, I love me Twitters. Um, so at CSWaters1. Um, I've got a blog post as well, CraigWaters.org. Um, don't do as much on there as I'd like to, um, but they're probably the best um, best places, yeah. Excellent. Well, Craig, it's it's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, again, for folks that do want to get a hold of Craig, I recommend you do so. Support your local VMUGs. You know, look for, for folks like Craig and other folks in the community. We're always here to help. Uh, again, you can always find me. I'm at Disco Posse. You can find me on Twitter, and you can find me in the Green Circle community if you just go to greencirclecommunity.com, and uh, we, can, we can bring that conversation there, and we'll post the show notes and everything from there. Uh, great stuff, Craig. Thanks very much, and uh, hope to catch up to with you uh, in person at an event soon. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you again, Eric. And hey, th- thanks a lot for having me on the the podcast. Yeah, it's um, it's a great uh, format and it's a great uh, discussion tool. And yeah, I recommend everyone have a listen if they can. Yeah, excellent. Thanks. If you like what you heard here and want to hear much more, don't forget to subscribe to the GC On Demand podcast. You can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? Tweet us at GC On Demand. Thanks for listening.